Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. My name is Daniel Harrison, Chief Executive at True Potential, and today's topic is going to be client-centric. We've received a load of questions from yourselves uh, based on our last podcast when we've been asking for for your thoughts and for, for, for what you'd like to find out more about next. So we're going to really concentrate on that today. And we've also got some new faces or voices, depending on how you're, you're consuming today's feed. Uh, starting with Rebecca Wright. Rebecca is our Head of Client Service and here at True Potential. And then Jamie Sexton, who is our Head of Centralised Advice. And then finally, Chris Leyland, who is our Director of Investment Strategy. So welcome, all three of you, to the Thanks, podcast. Dan. And I think really before we get into some of the questions and some of this week's topics, I'll start with you, Rebecca. If you wouldn't mind just giving the audience a 30-second kind of you know, pitch about what you do here at TP. Of course. So my role is to oversee various teams who look after our clients when they're coming to us with various different queries. So we support clients through many different routes, uh, telephone support, we offer online support, um, video chatting with clients um, and making sure that they're all happy, they can all log into their client sites and they all know exactly what's going on and have access to our financial advisors as and when they need it. Great. Jamie? Yes, Dan, I um, a few hats, as, as you know, look after the anything that touches advice from the central head office um, is what I deal with. So that works from the more complicated bits of advice, such as final salary pension transfers, uh, where I look after the team that support that. Um, and also the head office advisors that, that deal with our clients uh, over the phone and via video technology. Um, and also spend a lot of time with um, education with our um, uh, with head office, where we train uh, people to be financial advisors um, and support them through our academy programme as well. And the financial advisor side of things works quite neatly with, say, Rebecca. Yes. And, and as far as the, the setup we have at True Potential tends to be where you've got Rebecca's team of... Uh, I suppose we almost call them ambassadors, Rebecca, for want of a yeah. better term, where they're dealing with client queries day in, day out. But then where the more sophisticated queries need to come in is where you know, you, you work with the wealth management hat on then, Jamie, deal with either our centralised advisors or indeed with our wealth management partners. Yeah, yeah, we find, Dan, that you know, clients have certain different types of queries where they may just want some help logging in their website, they may want some help understanding the valuations of their pensions and investments, and they may want to understand a little bit about actually I've got some more money I want to invest it where's the best place for that to go um, and it's key that we can offer all them services uh, which the team do and last but by no means least thank Chris. you <laughs> yeah um, so basically I'm director of investment strategy but my job is to look after the true potential portfolio proposition um, as well as that I also sit with advisors but I also think what's quite interesting about today is also sit with quite a few clients as well great and I think that's Probably a, a, a neat way, really, to, to kick things off. And Chris, we'll we'll start with you because yeah. it's it, it feels like every week I'm doing a podcast, saying I'm hopefully not going to talk about coronavirus much. But um, <laughs> here we are. Again, here we again. are. Yeah. 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 Um, what's happened this week, Chris? Yeah. So um, basically, with the coronavirus, what's happened is um, it felt like it was very contained within China. Um, and what you've seen this week is cases start to appear around the world. Um, what you've seen with stock markets is it's spook markets. Um, so you've seen markets fall, uh, I'd say global stock markets around about 6% okay. this week. Um, and again, you know, investors are, are taking a step back. And I think in reality, they've become quite complacent. 
So what they'd seen is, okay, you know, you'd see markets reach new highs. You'd seen people think that the coronavirus was quite contained. And I think it spooked them a little bit that they're starting to see it appear in other countries. And I think it, 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 it's an interesting point there, Chris. And I think probably just to put some of this into context, you know, about you know, investments should be medium to long term. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was only two weeks ago, I think, or maybe even last week that we were talking on this podcast. Uh, I was talking about with Jeff. Yeah. Uh, you know, that the American markets have reached a record high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, so. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. If you think, um, if you look at the where we are right now with the coronavirus, um, the U.S. market's still only about 3% off. Yeah from its record high. Um, so again, you know, this week, when you read the headlines, it feels like, you know, markets have moved quite significantly. Yeah. And, you know, arguably they have moved quite a bit. Um, but bear in mind that actually, you know, markets have done incredibly that's well. That's because against a backdrop of something going well. And that's, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think it's important that, you know, probably all clients and, and everybody listening here take this longer term view. Oh, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I know can be really difficult. You know, you switched the news on last night. Um, it was interesting. Gemma, my wife, she tends not to really watch the news. She says, I'm boring if I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was watching it, and, and it was just all about floods and coronavirus. Just kind of yeah. bad news. If, if you just kind of, maybe if you're a, a Martian, or somebody from Bertie, like yeah. James, <laughs> um, who just kind of popped in and um, like looked at it, you think the, the world's gone going to help, really, when it, in reality it, it, it hasn't, I suppose, bad news makes better headlines. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. And Rebecca, is, is is that translating across to clients, Are you, you're kind of at the, the sharp end, really, dealing with clients, are anybody ringing in, asking about markets this week? I think so, we, we've definitely had phone calls from clients querying, how is coronavirus going to affect my investment, um, should I be concerned, what, what should I be doing? And, what we're finding really is clients are looking for assurances from us. Um, they just want our view on what's going on. Um, we can get them logged into their sites. We can show them where it is that their money's invested. We can show them how diversified the portfolio series is. Um, one lady yesterday actually wrote to us and said that we'd far exceeded expectations in terms That's of what she'd nice, expected from performance. Um, but she just wanted to know what does this mean? Um, should I be making any changes? Do I need to maybe be a little bit more cautious with my investment? Um, and that's a general feel yeah. throughout when clients are calling up. And are you getting the same, Jamie, with your advice hat on when, when we're speaking with our wealth management partners out there or, or, or our team in-house? Yes, Dan, I think um, you know, we have clients ringing in and, and asking, you know, should I move down the, the sort of risk scale on the portfolio? And sort of our view on it is, is really you know, stay, pit, stay yeah, put. You absolutely. were doing a risk assessment with your advisor when you first did the investment. Um, and these things, you know, will happen, but tend to move out over time, um, especially with you know pensions specifically, which are a long-term investment. Um, we'd, we'd expect them to, to stay put and just stay inside their risk profile. What I would say is with, with clients is it's it's really key that, um, that they don't they don't panic. Um, and when we're looking at these types of investments, um, we, you know we've we've analysed their risk. We understand that they've still got you know that capacity for loss, especially with the pension investments we talk to. Which I think goes back to my earlier point about investments should be seen as a medium long term yeah, exactly. affair, exactly as well. And I think Jamie, I think it was you or maybe Rebecca, apologies, mentioned the diversification word, mm. which I think Chris, when you've been you know working and helping model the true potential yeah. portfolios out, I think diversification is a key 
kind of cornerstone for that. Yeah, um, yeah. What, what, what can that, as a wider sense, why, why is diversification ha handy? Yeah, I think, you know, if we look at maybe what's happened this year, I think it's probably the best way to think yeah. about diversification. So if you look at how different asset classes have moved, so, so what do we know? Well, we know that equity markets have, have fallen, and well, we know why that is, and, and we've discussed that. But equity markets are just one part of the true potential portfolio proposition. You know, we've got other assets in there that have actually made money this year. You know, gold's up 9%. You know, things like US government bonds, US treasuries are up nearly 5%. UK gilts are up 3%. But I think, you know, moving back to what you were saying before, Dan, one of the problems is, is that the media just concentrates on the negative in the sense, you know, like, world is going to end, that headline, sell, world isn't going to end, that headline sells newspapers, world is fine, doesn't sell newspapers. So what you're seeing, I think, is you know, clients watching the news, clients reading the newspaper, but actually when you take a step back, they're not just invested in equity markets. Chris, with the, the gold situation, I had a client yesterday on yeah. the phone that I was talking to, and he says, has there been a rush to gold now with what's happening in the equity market? Yeah. Um, and I'm aware we have an element of gold in the portfolios. Um, is that something that we're seeing? Yeah, I think you know, you've seen the, again, obviously gold price go up 9% this mm. year. Um, within the portfolios, we've got gold, but we've also got silver and platinum as okay. well. So different ways to play precious metals, but the key is that they offer something outside of equity return. Mm -hmm. You know, the goal of diversification is if one asset goes down, then there are other assets that can potentially go up, and, and that's exactly what you've seen this yeah. year. Good, and I think, um, talking about this year as well, one, one of the initiatives I know, Rebecca, you've been say, working on is, is Get our clients to think about regularly saving and this the kind of concept of compounding why it's a good thing yeah how are you dealing with that is, is that via direct debits on the site so is it are you speaking to clients and pushing yeah, the message so we we speak to clients a lot about uh, the best ways to top up their investments and they can do that either through direct debit we get clients who um, choose to impulse save over using direct debit so we, we did a, um, a large campaign at the start of the year with the 52 week impulse save challenge which was quite popular um, so clients are choosing to save in different ways I um, think the key is giving them the option of these different yeah. ways that they can save and um, helping them to facilitate that as well. well I think it's that little and often message isn't it yeah. I think uh, the, the, I've got a question there so, you know should we always just look to kind of put a lump sum in towards the end of tax year end or is saving little and often better and saying so, you know, this isn't advice uh, from from me because I'm, I'm not qualified as an advisor but certainly when you look at say the effect of compound interest and and, and it is much better to to save little and often um, and direct debit is because it sets that habit you don't need to then yeah. think about it do you just you know, some of you can afford, it comes out of your bank, it chips away at either your ISA yeah. or, or your pension. Um, it also chips away for things like holidays, Jamie, I think it's, I know that's, you tend to use a, a couple of accounts for different yeah. holidays and you've just been away to Dublin, then Amsterdam, yeah. and then back in Newcastle. Yeah. Um, what was it like in kind of, you know, let's talk about coronavirus ever so slightly again in terms of recent travels. Any, would you have known about it? Was it? It was it was interesting, Dan. You you're seeing more specifically in the airports, not so much in the um, sort of cities. Amsterdam's a beautiful city. Um, people wearing the masks a little bit more and a bit more conscious of it. Um, 
in certain stations uh, around the airports, yeah. which is, is what they're worried about. It's not hugely big in, in, um, in the Netherlands at this minute in time, so I'd imagine Rebecca's just been to Paris, haven't you? So yeah. somewhere. And interestingly, going to Paris, we went direct from Newcastle, so much smaller airport. Yeah. I didn't see a single mask the full yeah, time that I was there. Whereas went to Madrid earlier in the year via Heathrow, and there was lots of people there with the face masks on. Yeah. Even throughout the entire flight, people were very conscious. Um, we had one gentleman who had a, a bad cough throughout the flight and you could see everybody trying to edge away from him. Um, so people I think, certainly were very nervous at that point about yeah. it through Heathrow Airport. Hey, Chris, you've been to Paris as well. Yeah. Not, not with Rebecca, but not with Rebecca. No, <laughs> no, we get any gossip. Yeah. Um, I had a completely different experience, which was I, I flew from Newcastle, um, but when we were coming back through Paris Airport, so Charles de Gaulle Airport, um, you had a, a thermometer placed on your head. Oh, I you didn't had a get swab that. placed on your head as well. So they were obviously pretty. Mm. Si well, maybe it was just me. <laughs> but they were obviously pretty <laughs> serious about actually checking to see mm. um, what was happening. That can be a problem if you've had a good couple of days in Paris. Well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 you're sweating everything bad out of you. At that stage. <laughs> they just send you straight. Yeah, back. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I was in London earlier this week and. Through, it's a strange one, we're like a gross, you know, kind of sweeping stereotype. It tends to be more Asian people wearing the masks, yeah, as well. As well and yeah. I don't know if that's more because there's more conscious of it, yeah, you know, versus say, a European or like a white person, maybe is either complacent mm. or just not as aware or, or whatever. So it's, it's interesting just when you, when you do travel and where you see this mix of cultures mm. going on there. And I think, you know, travel and culture and, and worldwide side of things, again, Chris, in terms of diversification, are our managers seeing opportunities maybe into Asia and things where the coronavirus tends to have been at? Or is it a case of the wait and see right now? Yeah, I think, you know, what I wouldn't say is the managers are seeing sort of going wholesale into yeah. Asia. But if we think of the, the kind of trading that they've done over the last month, um, we've seen one of our managers actually add to China, so basically take advantage of the, the big falls that they'd seen. Another manager add to South Africa, which may sound a little bit weird me talking about that, but South Africa's classed as an emerging market. Yeah. Therefore, with China and Asia falling, it's actually brought yeah. down as well. So again, that's a way to, to sort of buy a, a very favorable entry point. Seen another manager um, add to US Energy, so obviously you've seen the oil price come down with China, the big consumer of commodities, not actually consuming as much as they would normally do. Um, so you've seen a few managers, I'd say, at the margin take advantage of it. Um, what I would say is we've got other managers that have actually moved a little bit more defensively. Right. So they've added a little bit more to the US. You've seen quite a few managers, again, add to diversification. So look maybe a little bit outside of equity markets, look towards alternative assets, look towards basically areas that kind of help bolster the funds that make up the portfolios. So I'd say not a huge amount of trading, but the trading that's been done has, has actually been really interesting and obviously been really thought about as well. Do they look for opportunities, Chris, in terms of, I remember back in the you know natural disaster of the tsunami, yeah. um, there was some of the um, not specifically our managers, but we're looking to buy sort of electric generators, uh, com yeah, companies absolutely. that generated them, which yeah. created, because obviously at that time it was 
uh, was quite large. So we'll be looking for opportunities yeah. as well. I mean, I was talking to um, one of our managers. Uh, they were talking about the opportunity in luxury goods. Yeah. Mm. So if you think about it, um, you know, who is one of the biggest consumer of luxury goods? Well, it's Asian tourists. Okay. You know, if you go to like London or, or if you go to Paris, mm. um, you know, they're the very big consumer of you know, the very expensive things like, like Louis Vuitton, stuff like that. Um, and obviously, with them being unable to travel, um, with the actual shops being shut in China, yeah. it means that what you're seeing there is obviously prices have come down. Mm. Then you've got to say to yourself, well, is this going to be the end of Chinese tourists buying luxury goods? It's not at all. No. Yeah. And that, that's the key. So what you're actually seeing in markets is, even though maybe it's, it feels uncomfortable, you're starting to see buying opportunities come in for assets that maybe were quite highly priced before. The luxury goods one's interesting. I remember when I was in Shanghai, I think I mentioned in the first podcast we did here, you got this huge mall, which was directly yeah, opposite yeah. my yeah. hotel called the Luxury Brands Mall. So <laughs> I wonder what that sells. Um, but you know, you just walked in and just staggered, to be fair. Like, yeah. It was kind of like New Bond Street on steroids, you know, every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, luxury like high luxury you know your cardiers your bank yeah. type of thing and it was busy and there was people it wasn't just people walking around the mall these people were actually in the shops and walking around so i think it's it is interesting when you talk about the largest consumers or some of the largest consumers oh, luxury yeah. Goods. Yeah. i've got a, a friend of a friend who um goes to my well a, 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 a daughter goes to the same school as my daughter and um, so Speaking, of, she she was Chinese, but she's lived over here for a few years now, and she was just talking about the difference. Um, we're talking about baby care. Actually, she got a she got a baby, and she was just saying, um, all of our family thinks she's strange because she looks after our baby herself. Versus ah, okay. the, yeah, yeah. the Chinese, yeah, like a nanny or something. Yeah, the Chinese yeah. model tends to be you pay for up to a month in hospital in terms of yeah. private private care, and then you get yourself a nanny and that nanny can then stay with your family for a number of years okay. so everyone thinks she's mad that she's almost <laughs> bringing her in China. and she said to me it was great it was quite interesting she said the problem is in china now is that people don't know what to spend the money on they've got so much money yeah, yeah. those yeah. you know the luxury goods i remember this when i was um in shanghai a couple of years ago as well just in terms of um that they, they were i don't know if they still are the the highest users of short-term credit for 1,000 to 2,000 pounds. Um, and it's interesting the way that they lend the money as well, because it's this WePay platform, which sometimes people think WePay is like a type of WhatsApp. Yeah. Yeah. It's WhatsApp, it's Facebook, it's PayPal, it's everything kind of all in one app. And because all of that app is in there, and because of this kind of agreement, which the users have with the Chinese government and other right firms, which is look at everything, you know, so yeah. you basically, you buy something like WePay, you're ticking a box which says everybody can look at what you're up to. And with your spending habits, with your social media habits, with what your WhatsApp type of messages can do, that scores you as a good or bad credit risk as well. So you yeah. can get instant kind of loans, which, which is a whole discussion in its own right about how to use big data and, and, and what have you. But interestingly, so you can go on WePay, provided you're a good egg, so to speak, you can lend 1,000, 2,000 pounds like that, touch of a button on this kind of paperwork which we have to go through here and the reason for that was to buy either handbags or a new iPhone 
and so they and they talk about every six months you know when you see apple bring out say the iphone and the iphone x comes six months later it's quite up quite often in china it just tunes every yeah. six months yeah, yeah. because they have to have the, the the latest bit of kit so it's interesting there when, when, when we look at this kind of huge amount of people buying luxury goods and the impact that probably has worldwide because it isn't just in your palaces or your london oh, it's, no, it's, it's localized as 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 well um we've got a question really from why we stay on china which was kind of the data we're seeing from china in terms of you know how many people could be affected by the virus what it means economically and stuff and you know i think there's always a kind of a cynical or maybe not cynical view which is is this believable data <laughs> coming from the chinese government um yeah i think it's a good question i mean look i i think if we use sars as the example yes okay so sars it was a type of coronavirus oh. it was 17 years ago it was in 2003 it took three months for the Chinese government to actually admit its, its existence, yeah. <laughs> okay? Now, now, what have you seen this time with the coronavirus? It took them eight hours to basically put Hubei province into lockdown. Um, they've just got a completely different attitude to what they had 17 years ago. Um, the problem with China is it's a closed economy. So what that means is that they can massage the data that comes out of it. Yeah. So when you look at things like China GDP, basically just stays at 6% a year and <laughs> doesn't really change. Um, but you can look at lots of other different things and some of these things might seem a little bit odd, but investment analysts look at things like, like the number of cinema tickets sold yeah. to get an idea of consumer spending because yeah. that's something that they can see from the, the Chinese cinema companies. Um, look at things like toll roads, how much is being spent yeah. in the toll roads, so how much traffic is there delivering goods oh, from really one place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they yeah, look at things like shipping data. So again, you know, you're trying to find things that give you an idea of the impact of what's happening with the coronavirus, but things that you know will be correct. But I think overall, I think the Chinese are much better with the data. Mm. And I think you know, you've got something like this, you've got to be really careful that you can't hide it. Yeah. You know, things like the World Health Authority, they, they just won't allow it. No. You, know, you can't have a, a kind of epidemic that, that spreads out from China. Well, you almost see that with another secretive country, which was Iran, where yeah, it seemed yeah, like yeah, Iran yeah. were going to keep it under wraps, but then, yeah. no. It's, especially when you see, remember, their government sat on, <laughs> sat mopping his brow, was he? <laughs> and then the day later, it's confirmed he has it. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> It's an interesting point, actually, Chris. It just jogged my memory when you were saying you know, SARS, but 17 years ago, yeah, type of coronavirus as well. And you saw this thing flashing around on Facebook. You you probably shared it, Jim, because <laughs> I know you you get worried. Um, which was kind of dead all on the back, yeah. saying you know, and also cures the coronavirus. Yeah. People say, oh, it's a it's a global conspiracy. <laughs> well, actually, it's not. Coronavirus isn't a new thing, which um, but it's just interesting the way that you know. There's always someone with the tin hat on saying, "Oh yeah, watch yeah. out," you know. So yeah. um, there was a, I forgot, there was a woman in, um, I think the picture was in Vietnam Airport, and it showed what she'd done to, to kind of protect herself from the coronavirus. But she obviously didn't have that much money, so what she'd done is she'd taken a, a kind of large bottle of mineral water, sort of cut out the mouth bit. She put it over the top of her head and then put the mask over the mouth bit to try and <laughs> stop any germs getting in. <laughs> 
think it'll be quite useful for you, yeah. Jay. <laughs> 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 don't they get a bottle big enough, unfortunately? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did think that when you were talking about wearing many hats before, Jay. <laughs> I don't think we've got a hat big enough, mate. <laughs> True. Um, talking about um, the hats side of things as well, um, Jamie, I think, when, when you've been talking about some of the education piece, you know, with one of your other, and some of the education which we deliver to the clients, um, I think we call it the, is it the academy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what type of things are we trying to, what type of good habits are we trying to instill in our clients? Well, the key, Dan, is we, we have the, the client website, which for us is um, we're trying to be transparent with the client and, and provide all the information that we get uh, to them. But also there's some great things like the videos that Chris and his team produce. Uh, so is that the, the morning market? Yeah, video morning market yeah. videos, and they're all available within the site. But also, obviously, it tells you how much you're worth. So we're keen on clients logging in and viewing how much they're worth. And the point in the academy programs is it's a very sort of straightforward uh, YouTube videos, probably underneath these ones, I'd imagine, on the YouTube site. Uh, six sets of videos, um, and it just goes through little bits, uh, three, four minutes, and just showing you, you know, what you've actually got available from your account. And it becomes very useful because, first of all, clients kind of just log on to view what their valuations are. But actually, we store all their documentation in there. As I mentioned before, Chris's uh, videos. Uh, you can message the team via the secure messaging. And actually, probably the most popular route, I would say yeah, now, definitely. for our communication piece. Is secure messaging. Is secure messaging. Um, so secure messaging is where a client goes into the app or the website, so it's in that encrypted environment, yeah. and they send a two-way message. Yeah, I think the head office you or know, the advisor. Exactly. I think for us, you know, email is, is an option, but if we can, you know, do it by the site, we're talking about secure information. Well, certainly when we're talking about clients' personal details, yeah, and things, we, we, you shouldn't be dealing with that on yeah. email at all. Exactly. Yeah. And I think one of the most, as well, Dan, that you know, it's key that if clients' circumstances change or you know anything's sort of different in their life and it's happened during the year before we do that review, um, we do want to know about that because we do want to support and help our clients. So all that data that we hold in terms of so their personal information, um, you know, when we give that initial advice, is in that site as well. So keeping that up to date is, is really helpful uh, for us. And I know that because I, I, you know, I have my own site. I look at it every day and, yeah, and update I look, it. I know all four of us do. All four of us are true potential clients yeah. in, our, in our own right. So it, it's, it's, so when we talk about a TP is skin in the game, so it's yeah. no good. Chris, selling true potential yeah. portfolios. If he's not invested in them, yeah, if he doesn't exactly. believe in them, it's no good. Rebecca, say, telling her team to get that clients engaged with the apps if you're not using it yourself. And Rebecca, one of the, your newer initiatives, which I really like, is, is the way in which you start, you've started training clients in terms of video sharing. Yeah, so we, with every new client as they come in, uh, we will to a tutorial, one-to-one -one tutorial, where we'll take them right through the technology. Uh, we'll tailor those presentations to the client, so depending on what type of technology they have, what their smartphones, if they're using desktop sites, and we'll show them exactly how they can access all the different features within the site and how they can communicate with the team. Uh, we often do that as a, a video chat so that the, the client on the other end can see the person that they're speaking to. Right, so they see um, one of our team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they'll see the person here in head office that's dealing with their account. Clients really like that. It's nice to be able to put a, a face to the voice at the other end of the phone. Um, often clients will choose to turn on their own cameras if they've got them and we'll just have a video conversation, which is always nice. Um, and it's really just a new way to engage with clients and we find it's very unique. Uh, yeah. Most of our competitors don't have 
those sorts of services. Clients often comment on the fact that they've never been offered this service elsewhere before and they do really like that they have that. It's more comforting, I feel, mm. if you can see the person that you're speaking to and um, it's particularly if you're calling up with a, a concern when you're hearing news about the, the markets and those sorts of things, if you can see the person at the other yeah, end. Yeah, you, you want to know where we're actually here. Yeah. Um, and I, I, really, I haven't had the, the, the pleasure <laughs> of, of having a video of you, you, you haven't offered one with, um, but you know I certainly do when I, when I walk around the office and I can see the guys you know, chatting away and smiling and, and I think it really helps I think telephone calls are, are okay in my opinion but you can never quite see the person like the same way we're having a bit of a conversation yeah. now it's nice yeah. to be able to see the face and it's interesting that some clients do switch their video on yeah. as well I think because it's not mandatory for our clients, but it's interesting that they obviously yeah. press the button as well, so they feel like they're probably part of it and engaged there. I think it feels more real, doesn't it, in yeah. terms of your, your meetings with your clients, uh, just that video exchange. Yeah, and uh, that's something that's which, which I know happens with, say, uh, some of our directly authorised firms and a lot of our wealth management partners now as well, is that they've, they've been replicating really what Rebecca's talking about and starting to hold bits of reviews or at least update meetings yeah. with clients via Skype or on video yeah. as, as well because it often these type of either review meetings or, or more general discussions don't necessarily need the full one or two or three hours yeah. formal sit down with the client. It's yeah. more of a case of have you been logging into your site? Yes. you know, Or have you been logging into your app? Yes. Are you happy with the performance? Do you have any questions? Yeah. You know, yes or no. And that's then where the advisor um, you know, starts to use a specialism there. So it's not not a case of where I think where we used to be in the industry. This is my twenty first year in the industry now, for instance. And I remember the packs advisors used yeah. to get, which were reams yeah. of paper, and it was all about you know a pie chart here yeah. and all of these yeah, and some yeah, commentary. Yeah. And we've moved away from that now with technology. I think you know we've got well, you Rebecca and you Jamie track. You know, we we've got one client. I think he logs in too much. I yeah. mean, it's it's like three times a, three times a day or something, yeah. isn't yeah. it? But I mean, typically, are we looking at clients logging in every one two weeks? Yeah, like I think so. We we look to encourage clients to log in at least once or two a week. As you said, certain clients are potentially watching the video logging in two three times yeah. a day. I think because the the mobile, it, it's you know, we've seen everyone Jesus, like this on the phone, aren't they? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a prime example of that. Um, but actually, you know, it's just when you're a little bit bored, you might just log in and, and yeah. do it, and it's, mm. it's good. I think it's good to be engaged. You know, I think it's good for us to be transparent. Um, I think the days of you know receiving a, a 12 monthly statement with your valuation yeah, yeah. really should be over. Well, you know? as, as 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 the last two months has yeah. proven in the markets where we've had highs and we've had some yeah. some some concerns with coronavirus, it shows why say something like a 12 month review is redundant. Yeah. I think because we don't really work in a 12 month life in terms of investment but also true potential tries to be quite agile and diverse and I think if you look at say what we were probably talking about 12 months ago um, we've probably changed that and, and change it for the better hopefully yes. as, as well so I think it is great that our clients are more engaged and interested because frankly it's their money um, that's one of the reasons why I like goals as well because I think a goal gives a client a real reason to anchor their investment, which is it, it helps ratify why, you know, why am I saving up? Mm. You know, for, I mean, long gone are the days where it needs to be vague, which is I'd like to have a nice retirement. <laughs> say, what does a nice retirement <laughs> yeah. look like? You know, because yeah. a nice retirement for Rebecca might be completely different to a nice retirement for you, Chris. Yeah. And that's what I like about goals. It'd be personal to yourself 
and then on Sunday the app for instance you can track yeah. your performance against that which then probably links back kind of full circle I think Rebecca when I was talking about the direct debit and the impulse save because I think impulse save is a kind of one-off payment mechanism which allows the client to look to chip away at the goals if, if, yeah. if need be is that something which you talk about say when you're doing the onboarding video calls do you do you talk about the impulsive mechanism we do yeah so what's great with the technology is not only does it let you set a goal it also allows you to track and make sure that you're you're online to achieve that goal or it'll tell you if you do start to fall a little bit behind so that's when impulsive can become particularly useful if you are perhaps dropping behind that that goal line yeah. to make a, a smaller top-up payment to get you back on track so that is the sort of thing that we'd be speaking with clients about throughout those demonstrations and you mentioned the impulsive challenge, Rebecca. Jamie, are you doing that this year? I, I am. I think I'm, I'm on £45 now at the minute. So I did it the mm. opposite way around. You've done the posh way. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, start, I thought, you know, if it gets near Christmas, I'll, I'll probably not have as much money. Yeah. So put £52 in, then 51 and then all the way down, I'm 46 now. So the impulsive challenge, for those who aren't aware, is this concept of just popping impulsive in yeah. once a week, either week one is yeah. £1, week yeah. two, £2, exactly. week three, £3, all the way up to £52 in the last one. But as you say, it can get life gets expensive in December yeah. with alcohol presents. You know, <laughs> alcohol. Yeah, yeah. alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's presents? Um, but yeah, it it, it, it can do. And Cindy, when I've done impulsive challenge in the past, I've always started fifty two yeah. and, and, and worked the way down. And it it, it actually it unlocks it, it two benefits to me. I think the first benefit is it. It gets you, it gives you another reason to log in. So you're not just checking your performance, you're logging yeah. in and also, you know, just popping a little bit of money away. The second thing is you actually get this, going back to compounding, yeah. um, you get a great return at, at the end of the year, or certainly I did the years when I, when I did it. Um, I think I probably made, you know, a couple of hundred pound more than I'd actually put in, mm. which, is, which isn't bad for just chipping away yeah, at, absolutely. at something. Um, so we'll, we'll review you maybe in December, Jamie, as well, and see yeah. if you're a happy impulse save challenge client. Um, or I think it's just that regular, you know, regular putting the money away, which I wouldn't normally do, Dan. So, yeah. you know, at the end of the year, if I've got an extra thousand pounds, you know, in, in that savings, it's something I wouldn't have done. And at the minute, it, you know, I'm, you don't tend to notice it because you, it's that regular element. It's just a, another payment I'm aware of, like my mortgage coming out and other things. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, working quite, quite well for us as well. Um, yeah, it's good. Do you know when we, we talk about impulse saves, mm. do we ever say to clients, you know, instead of maybe like going out one night or buying that coffee or something like that, to put the money in into impulse save and to save it? We do, and, and that's a particular conversation with our workplace pension clients as well okay. in that um, they've been automatically enrolled into a pension scheme. It's a percentage of your salary, which is now being taken off yeah. your wages. Um, and for a lot of people, that can be a shock. It's almost a, a negative that there's a deduction coming off. <laughs> so having that conversation that it maybe is one less meal out throughout the month mm. or um, perhaps you buy one less new item throughout the month or something like that. Um, but actually, if you look at what that can do for your retirement planning, it can yeah. make a huge difference yeah. in the, the long run. And that's again where the gold features come in and those projection tools to show clients so they can not only hear it from us, but visualize yeah, it as well. Yeah, because that nice visualization, yeah. Rebecca, absolutely. And you used to spend a lot on coffee, Jamie, yeah. but then you get it free with your health <laughs> insurance. Yeah. 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 Still. So I hope you put that money you've saved into your well, part of that impulse save. Yeah. I still get the coffees, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just before we, we, we wrap up, just I think looking forward really for the next 
one, two, three, four weeks. Um, what what are you going to be doing here at True Potential? I know it'll be a mystery, but what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> but like, what what's your thoughts over the next few weeks? Not just about coronavirus and okay. things, but yeah, general engagement. Yeah, sure. So um, I think you know if we think about you know what's going to happen over the next month within markets, you know, we know the coronavirus and, and news around that will will have an effect, but. I guess you know if, if we leave that to one side, you know what else is out there, and I think it can be quite easy to get bogged down by by one single event. Um, but if we think about this year, you know you've got an election year. Mm-hmm. Um, election years tend to be very good mm-hmm. for equity market return. You've got really supportive central banks out there. Um, you've seen that come through this year. Again, that tends to be very supportive for market returns. But for me, what I'm concentrating on in the near term really is around diversification. So again, looking at the portfolios, looking at the managers that we work with, actually looking to work with other managers as well. Okay. That's one of the key things that I'm looking at to say, okay, you know, we've got the portfolios now, what can we do to, to further diversify them? What other areas can we look at to evolve the overall proposition? Brilliant. And Rebecca, for you and the team, is it is it more of the same, or are you looking to try anything different? Yeah, I think in the immediate future, in the lead up to tax year end at the moment, it tends to be a time that clients engage a bit more with their investments than other times of year, so we're expecting to get quite busy over that period. Yeah. Um, and then a lot more really of engaging clients with the technology and making sure that we are speaking to people regularly throughout the course of the year. And Jamie? Yeah, I think obviously that tax share end word for us is very busy and is approaching. So, you know, we're encouraging clients, um, you know, to ensure that they, they take advantage of that ISO allowance that they've maybe not completed. Um, and also actually talking about the next year's ISO allowance, we were talking about direct debits before. Mm-hmm. Um, why not start saving straight away? Because um, it actually it, it works out easier for you. But also obviously you've got uh, you've got the sort of pension annual allowance that you can add in as well. So we're speaking a lot of. Uh, clients about, about that, so it's key that we get them in before uh, tax year end. I think for Rebecca and I, we're, we're looking at the, the websites and other features that we can potentially add to that site to enhance that client experience. Yeah. Um, you know, we receive a lot of calls about certain things that clients want to do with their investments and how can we make that a little bit easier via the site. We're always sort of engaging with the with the team and sh- you know, our technology team. That so what type of queries are there, Jamie? Is it- well, it's, it's little things such as, um, you know, when clients want to take money out of their pensions, um, at, at the minute we've got phone calls or you go through a financial advisor, um, it's how we can maybe make that, a, you know, via the website yeah. and other products. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, other things as well, Dan, is, is things such as if I want to move uh, funds, um, you know, and I want to make that my own decision, can we make that a, an option via the site? And some queries that are coming up yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. So I think it's key. We, Rebecca and I meet at, at least once a, a week and go through what are clients' queries and what are they bringing through and, and actually can we just make that experience just that little bit easier because yeah. um, that actually helps um, it helps clients significantly but also helps our experience with clients. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I think everybody, thank you very much for your time. I mean, in, in, in summary, what, what, what I'd like to take away is really is this idea of... of, of Hold tight in terms of, yeah. the, of the market, Absolutely. but do seek advice and help where you need it. Yeah. Um, if you belong to our central advice team, do pick up the phone or do message Rebecca and the team they're here. If you are with one of our financial advisors, um, do speak to them as well. You know, we we keep everybody up to date with mm-hmm. the information. I mean, Jamie, you mentioned the concept of transparency before, and that's yeah. certainly 
why we do what we do at True Potential. It's why we give people daily access to evaluations. It's why, say, Chris and the team produce the morning markets every day. It's why we do these podcasts mm-hmm. as well. It's to really keep, keep the drawbridge open, so to speak, and be as transparent as possible because I think that helps provide reassurance in what, when you watch the news, as per last night, can be what yeah. seems like all doom and gloom. And I, I don't think it is. I think it's really not. Um, so I think that's that, that's a summary from me. So um, Rebecca, thank you. Uh, Jamie, thank you. Thank you. And Chris. Thank you. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you. A lot of thank yous today. Um, <laughs> but really do enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll be back with you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye.